Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for those leading in God's church. This is Andrew Cook and I'm pleased that you could join me again. The letter to the Ephesians, more in the new series. And Malcolm Ryan joins us for a Pastor Talks. At the moment, here on Serving Today, we're studying the letter to the Ephesian church found in the New Testament. In his previous talk on Ephesians chapter 1, Ray Tibbs, who is helping us with this, focused on the Father's part in salvation. Ray joins us again to tell us what follows on from that. Well, next, in verses 7 through to 12, we discover the Son's part in our salvation. And first of all, we see in verses 7 and 8 that we have redemption in Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Ray, could you explain what redemption means here? Yes, the term speaks of the release of hostages on the payment of a required price. Rescue from the guilt of sin has been secured by the blood of Christ. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. Although the ransom was paid on the cross, release only comes through faith. Sinners are lost because they do not trust Christ. The Redeemer pays the debt of others and God is satisfied by that substitution so that their guilt is not held against them. But the Redeemer also restores the lost harmony between the two estranged parties by the gift of righteousness which God requires. In the wisdom of God, the blood of Christ provides both the forgiveness for sin and the cleansing from sin. Thanks, Ray. Another question under this heading, we have redemption in Christ from verse 7 and 8 of Ephesians chapter 1 is, why was redemption given? Yes, it's an expression of the grace of God. He provided satisfaction for sinners because they are incapable of providing it for themselves. And what do you mean by providing satisfaction? Well, it's God's justice that had to be satisfied. Offences had been committed and a price, a penalty had to be paid, the the consequences of sin. And the justice of God required the payment of that penalty and the Lord Jesus provided it. He has done this regardless of any merit in us and has actively accepted that satisfaction 
in our place. He has been exceedingly generous by both providing that satisfaction in the first place and then accepting it as a suitable provision. So we have redemption in Christ. What else does the Son's part in salvation bring to believers? Well, verses 9 and 10 tell us that we have a revelation in Christ. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. He planned to reveal, and what he revealed was his plan. He desired what is good, so he planned it. And then he revealed that plan and activated it so that everyone could see that he did what he said he would. It was realised in time, even though it was conceived before time began. It was realised at a precise point in time so that all conditions were in place. It pleased God to show the centrality of Christ. He is both its manager who ensures its implementation and he is also central to its fulfilment. And what is that revelation? The visible supremacy of Christ over all is the end to which all activity is being directed. That may appear far-fetched at the moment if world events are the only things taken into account. But the scripture is consistently pointing to that. Take a look at Matthew 28, verse 18, or later on in this chapter, verses 20 to 22, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through to 11, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, and chapter 2, verse 10. He has already overcome the world, John 16, 33, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against him. He is interceding for the saints now. Hebrews 7 verse 25, and is preparing a place for them, John 14 2. In the meantime, he equips them and preserves them for that day. See chapter 4 in this letter, verse 8, or chapter 3 verses 17 through to 19. Thanks very much, Ray. So we have redemption in Christ and we have revelation in Christ What's the last thing that Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 to 12 tell us about the Son's part in salvation? So these verses 11 and 12 show us that we have a rationale or a reason for living in Christ. And this is what these verses say. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. What's the significance of this, Ray? The revelation of our redemption in Christ gives us our reason for living. We have a place in God's plan. 
Although it does not revolve around us, his overall purpose is made up of many details. He works through these, including our assigned portion in life, to achieve that greater goal. And what's the central part of that greater goal? We who hope in Christ now will give eloquent testimony to the wonder of Christ. We have staked our future on the one who will be revealed as the head of all things. Presently, many will tell us that we have made a big mistake for the evidence seems to be against us. But the day will come when we will be shown to be right as we are finally and fully conformed to his image and honoured by his exaltation, having remained faithful through the trials we have in this life until then. Thanks very much indeed, Ray. We're delighted to have Malcolm Ryan with us again here on Serving Today. This time it's with a nautical theme that Malcolm begins his short pastoral talk. I have to say that I quite enjoy reading biographies, particularly those that tell a story of courage in the face of adversity. One such classic tale concerns the explorer and adventurer Ernest Shackleton. In January 1915, his ship, the Endurance, became trapped in the Antarctic ice and was slowly crushed. As a result, Shackleton's crew had to set up camp on an ice floe, but sometime later it threatened to break up, forcing them to seek refuge on nearby Elephant Island. Shackleton and five others then made their way across 800 miles of open sea in a lifeboat in the hope of being able to return for the other men. As they waited to be rescued, second-in-command Frank Wilde would roll up his sleeping bag each morning, saying, Get your things ready, boys. The boss may come today. Eventually Shackleton did make it back, but only just before their food supplies ran out. If he hadn't arrived when he did, it would have been a very different story. And that gets me thinking. In contrast to the adventurous insecurity of that situation, we as Christians have more than a mere longing or desperate hope, because the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is an absolute certainty. So how are we to live between now and when he comes back? As the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. For one thing, this sure and certain event that's yet to unfold will have an effect on our present thoughts, words, and actions, not least in our relationships. And keeping it positive, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father 
when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. These are the divinely inspired words of the Apostle in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. As we look back at our childhood days, many of us will fondly remember playing the game of hide-and-seek, in which a number of players find somewhere to conceal themselves, and one or more seekers try to find them. Then as the seeker's counting or rhyme concludes, so there's the stirring announcement, coming, ready or not. Talking of being ready or not, that's how it's going to be at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the more reason for us to be doers of God's word, while living in the confident expectation that it won't be long before he comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our thanks to Malcolm Ryan for another encouraging talk from God's Word. That brings us to the end of our time together here on Serving Today. We trust that it has been helpful for you in your ministry. Do write to us and tell us what you think or with any questions you may have. Our contact details follow very shortly. We hope that you'll be able to join us again next time. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May we all serve the living God expectantly as we look forward to the day of Jesus' return. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Until next time, goodbye.